Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to episode number 61 with Top Advisor Marketing. Today we have a very special guest. This is his return performance. Dave Crenshaw is the master of building productive leaders. He has appeared in Time Magazine, USA Today, Fast Company, and the BBC News. His courses on LinkedIn Learning have received millions of views. He's written four books, including The Myth of Multitasking, which was published in six languages, and is a time management bestseller. As an author, keynote speaker, and online instructor, Dave is transformed hundreds of thousands of business leaders worldwide. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. So we are talking about the myth myth of multitasking today. So that's the major focus. And I'm sure it doesn't surprise you that uh, the listeners to our show, uh, which are financial services professionals all over North America, really do pride themselves on being able to multitask. So let's just start there and see where the conversation takes us. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, the biggest thing is I've worked with lots of financial service professionals, and I can tell you that when I have coached them and helped them to start focusing on one thing at a time, it radically changes their ability to be to get more done and to be more successful with the time that they've got. Let's talk about that singular focus. So what is so important about having that level of just myopic direction? Well, uh, it really begins with with brain science. And uh, the reality is that your brain cannot handle multiple active attention requiring tasks at the same time. So in other words, if I'm trying to respond to emails and while I'm listening to this podcast, I'm not really doing both at the same time. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm switching rapidly back and forth between the two. And every time that you switch, there's a little term in economics called switching cost. And every switch you make costs you something in terms of time, in terms of attention, in terms of stress. And so you're not getting more done. In fact, you're getting less done and you're getting less done less effectively. Now, I would hope that all of the technological things that we have uh, implemented into our lives would actually help us at least deal with multiple different tasks at a time more effectively. Is that true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm 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 a, a geek at heart. I'm very much pro technology. I I love it. I try to implement it as much as I possibly can. So this isn't about technology being a villain or something that's bad and to be avoided. Uh, what's what's pr- the problem is is that we're just using it improperly. We are allowing these technological inputs, such as our phone, to just bombard us constantly and switch our attention. In fact, that's that's the real enemy is switches in attention. Uh, a research company called Basex Research out of New York um, surveyed thousands of knowledge workers, and they found that the average knowledge worker loses 28% of their day due to switches 
and switching costs. They called it interruptions and um, recovery time associated with those interruptions, but it's the same thing. And everyone listening to this is a knowledge worker. If you're using your brain to work, you're a knowledge worker, which means 28%. That, that number, you know, it seems significant, but it's really significant when you start thinking of it in terms of work hours. That is essentially a little more than one work week every single month. Ouch. And it's just getting flushed down the tubes because of your inability to stay focused on one thing at a time. Okay. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit, Dave. So just, be, uh, just bear with me. Women... All right. So I'm a man. I, I'm, I'm assuming people have figured mm-hmm. that out by now. And, and you are, too. But <laughs> yes. women seemingly are able to do 500 things at once. So help me with that. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting fable that's been passed down through time that that women are able to multitask and men cannot. And, and I see it even stronger in a different group, which is people saying, well, kids these days, teenagers, they're so conditioned to using it. So they're better able to multitask than us uh, old adults mm-hmm. can. And, and here's the, the reality. I have found, and I work with a lot of women executives, and I can say from experience and also doing lots of tests all around the world that I believe that women do incur less switching cost than men do. Okay. In other words, if they're trying to rapidly cycle between these different types of attention requiring tasks, the impact is going to be lower to the average woman. Hmm. There's a big however after that, right? Mm-hmm. And the however is they're still incurring switching cost. Okay. And, and the same thing is true with teenagers or anyone listening to this that says, I'm a good multitasker. When you say you're a good multitasker, what that means is that you're saying, I, I, I'm incredibly effective at screwing up multiple things at the same time. <laughs> you're still incurring switching cost. And switching cost has, has three primary effects and a fourth one if you're working with another person. The three primary effects are things take longer, you make more mistakes, and you increase your stress levels. And if you're multitasking on a human being, you are damaging the relationship. You're reducing the quality of the relationship. And I don't care whether you're a man or a woman or you're 16 or you're 65 – Everyone incurs switching cost. Hmm. So it's far – it's not a matter of, of genetics or biology. It's a matter of math. It's unavoidable. So it's always better to focus on one thing at a time. Hmm. I might – maybe I should have started with this question, Dave, but um, where did this fascination with this – I mean you, you've now published a book that's you know, all over the world about multitasking – what turned you on to this? I mean, why, what is your why behind writing this book and being so fascinated with this topic? Yeah, the reason why I'm so fascinated with the topic is because it's something that I struggle with uh, tremendously. You know, my son now is 12, and, and about the time that I knew he was going to be born, I, I realized I was in big trouble. I was not able to focus on we're not talking about tasks. I wasn't able to focus on a career at a time. I was switching a career pretty much every single year. I'd done everything from being a high school teacher to a sales executive to starting as a business coach to even trying to be a rock star for a few, <laughs> a few years. 
And and when I heard the words, I'm pregnant, I realized, <laughs> wow, something needs to change. And so I went and spoke to a psychologist and I said, you know, I'm concerned about this. And and he said, well, let me give you a test. And he gave me a test and his eyebrows got really big. And he said, well, let me give you another test. I want to be really sure. And And then he said, words I'll never forget. He said, has anyone ever talked to you about ADHD? And I said, well, that's that's not me. And he said, no, you are freaking off the charts, ADHD. Oh, wow. If there were a fifth standard deviation, you'd be in it. I can say with 99.99% accuracy, you've got it. That's word for word. And it was at that moment that I had a name and a face. I had a target to go at that that I could identify was causing so much problem. You couple that with the fact that I, as a business coach, worked with entrepreneurs and had been an entrepreneur. And entrepreneurs as a group are some of the most, what, what's the word? They, they're, they're so excited about every new opportunity. Oh, yeah. They're opportunity junkies and oh, they yeah. jump from task to task. So you combine those two things and you've got a problem with somebody who really struggles with focusing. And so first I created a program to help myself focus and get in control just so that I could provide for my family. And then I realized, hey, I've got something that lots of people want. And that's just it's just sort of grown from there. Well, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sitting here listening and thinking to myself, I hear financial services professionals say to us all the time, like it's a badge of honor mm -hmm. that they have ADD or ADHD. Mm -hmm. Do you think in your research and studies that this focus on multitasking or this uh, desire to multitask, does that actually increase the instances of ADHD? Um, how do you differentiate the two? Uh, help us with that. Sure. Well, the first thing to understand is that ADHD is a genetic condition. It is passed down from, from parent to child. And, and it was fact, it was easier for me to understand my issue with it by looking at my father. My father passed away roughly a year ago. And the man had been everything from a karate instructor to a radio talk show host to a taxi cab driver to a tile layer. I, I'm only giving you like 10% of the list. But my favorite on the list is a, a, a wrestler, professional wrestler. Okay. It was easier for me to see it in him. So first of all, there's the genetic marker. The second thing is there has to be evidence of it prior to age 10. So there is no such thing as adult onset ADHD. And by the way, if you're thinking ADD, what's the difference between ADD and ADHD? The correct clinical term for all of it is ADHD. It just manifests itself in different ways. Okay. If, if someone says, you know, I'm starting to have a problem with it and they're, you know, in their 20s, what they're talking about is not ADHD. It's a self-conditioned syndrome. I call it short attention span syndrome or SAS. And lots of people are experiencing SAS. And it's a learned behavior that they've developed through years and years and years of constantly switching their attention from their device to their TV, to their email, to the conversation that they're having, to this podcast. And you condition your mind to do that. And pretty soon you're going to start behaving as if you had ADHD. All right. 
now. You have to have a solution to this, I'm hoping, Dave, because I'm sure our listeners are sitting there thinking to themselves, all right, I'm screwed. So I'm not ADHD, (laughs) right? I can't multitask. I've been lying to myself for the last 30 years of my life. What do we do about this? Well, the beautiful thing is uh, in both cases, except for extreme cases with ADHD where some medication may be required, in both cases, the solution is the same. And it's it's behavioral therapy. It's reconditioning. It's getting the reps in your mind to recondition yourself. And if it's a learned behavior, it can be unlearned. So one of the things that I focus on when I'm working with executives and helping them become more productive is I we help them implement what I call switch busters. So switches are the, the culprit, the enemy. Can we completely get rid of attention switches? No, that's unreasonable to expect. But we can implement practices that will radically reduce the number of switches. Here's the most basic one that everyone listening to this can do, and that is turn off message notifications on your phone. (laughs) Simply do that. Yeah, all right. Because every time an email pops in or every time a text message pops in and it rings at you, you're conditioning your brain to do what? switch yep. from whatever it is you're thinking about to that that message that came in. Okay. Now, as a business coach and consultant, which is what I did before I moved into this world of, of marketing, we used to talk about time blocking, right? So, so turning off notifications, um, I love that. And, and if those people have not... I, well, actually, I want to take that one step further, Dave, if you don't mind, because not sure. only are you conditioning yourself, but you're also conditioning the people sending you those messages that you're available at all times. Yes, okay. yes. And that's part of the problem is that we have not established clear rules mm-hmm. of the road, so to speak, gotcha. of what the expectations are. That's another switch buster that I talk about is establishing expectations. Oh. Here's, here's a great example of a horrible or a non-existent expectation. You call someone's voicemail and you get the voicemail message and what does it say? Hey, thank you for calling Matt. I'm busy right now. Leave a message and I'll what? I'll get back to you as soon as I possibly can. Exactly. As soon as possible. What does as soon as possible mean? Well, in the mind of the person who calls you, it means what? Five minutes, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And if you don't respond to that, then they're going to send you a text message, which is another switch. And if you don't respond to that text message, then they're going to send you an email, which is another switch. Mm -hmm. And it just starts to compound. So instead, you know, another simple switch buster is to establish an expectation for people. Hi, this is the voicemail of Matt. I check my messages at noon and at 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. And if you call me after 4, 5 p.m., I'll return your call the next business morning. Mm-hmm. Now we've established something. You, you want to make sure that you set an expectation that you can fulfill consistently. Mm-hmm. And, and now we've taken control of the dialogue. People are okay with waiting. In most cases, unless it's an emergency, a true emergency, people are okay with waiting as long as you establish an expectation that they know you are going to meet or exceed. Gotcha. I love that. So let's talk about time blocking. Now, you just gave a great example of that, which is this is when I check messages. So that would technically be a a, a time block. This is when I go ahead and check stuff. So is that another one of your switch busters? Yeah, yeah. I I talk about it in terms of time budget, 
And what I mean by that is, and you know, we got a bunch of people listening who are experts in finance, and you understand the value of a monetary budget, right? And if you also understand the problem of exceeding that budget, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to have to repay that debt with interest. Mm-hmm. Well, in the same token, we want to establish a time budget. We need to look at what are the things that need to get accomplished, what's most important, what's critical, and then establish a, a schedule in your calendar. Your calendar is your time budgeter. And you say, this is how much time I'm going to allocate to it. And I'm not going to exceed that. That's the biggest problem that people have right now. They set expectations for themselves. We talked about expectations for others, but they also set expectations for themselves and then they don't honor them. And when that happens, you go into time debt and you must repay time debt with time interest and time demands a brutal interest rate. Hmm. For example, if I oversleep to pay Netflix, excuse me, the other way around, if I miss sleep to pay Netflix, I'm going to have to repay that with interest the next mm-hmm. day, am I not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? If I pay, if I borrow from a, a date with my wife to pay work, you can't tell me that I'm not going to have to repay that with interest <laughs> yeah. over a long period of time. Yeah, and maybe a pound of flesh too, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we want to live well within our means. We don't want to try to schedule 24 hours of activity into a 24-hour day. To the contrary, we want to schedule 23 hours of activity. We want to give ourselves room to breathe because hmm. life is going to happen. Yeah, it seems to do that, Dave. I, I uh, Life just does kind of seem to happen and very few of yeah. us budget. Uh, I love how you how you talk about that and especially the interest due because I don't think – is that one of the reasons why people feel like they are consistently behind because they just owe so much interest? Yes. Part of, it, part of the problem is we're still using time management practices – that were popular in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look back then, the problem was time management. It was maximizing the value of our time, making sure that we stayed focused, making sure that we were uh, using our time wisely in all sorts of things. And what happened was uh, we, we got these amazing little devices in our hands mm-hmm. <laughs> where you could – instantly contact any person at any corner of the world at any possible time. And that is the problem. Our, our issue now is not time management. It's focus management. Mm-hmm. Now, hold on. Didn't you write something and do something with focus? I did. Well, there's a, there's a course, extended course on uh, LinkedIn Learning or lynda.com. Uh, called Improving Your Focus. Gotcha. And I also wrote a book called The Focused Business. There you go. I remember you bringing that up last time, so I wanted to make sure we highlighted that. And just so everybody who's listening knows, we're going to have links to all of these things on our on the show notes so that you can connect with Dave. What's on the horizon for you, Dave? So uh, obviously you speak all over the world. You're You're sought after by CEOs. You've been pretty much in every media outlet. What is your next major thing that you're going to be attacking? (laughs) Right now, it's all about my relationship with LinkedIn Learning and the courses that I have there. I really, really love working with this company, and that's saying a lot. Remember, I come from an entrepreneurial background. Mm -hmm. 
But, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with LinkedIn Learning, it's sort of like the Netflix of learning. And if you have a LinkedIn account, you can get access to it just by, you know, signing up for any premium membership. And you get access to, gosh, I think they've got close to 10,000 courses now. Oh, wow. My Time Management Fundamentals course was their 1,000th course. It was their first soft skills course. And so I'm just continually adding content there and uh, interacting with students all around the world there. My courses really have had over 10 million views at this point. Mm. And that to me is thrilling because also, you know, one of the things that I preach is being, well, one of the things I believe in, I should say, is living the kind of life that you want to live. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's important to me is being there for my children. I've got three children and being there for my wife that I love and I want to remain married to her for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So the ability to have these online courses and reach people around the world without having to step on a plane every single time to reach them is a beautiful thing in my mind. That's fantastic. All right, closing thoughts on the myth of multitasking. The, the first thing or the last thing I would leave with you is to just be aware. Be aware of when you are switch tasking, when you are talking to someone and your attention is not 100% on them. Be aware of when you're trying to even do something like drive and talk on the phone at the same time. And the more aware that you become of this, the easier it is for you to start identifying changes that you need to make in your behavior. Fantastic. Well, Dave, thank you very much for your thought leadership today. Thank you, Matt. And this was episode number 61, The Myth of Multitasking with Dave Crenshaw. Please double check. Uh, if you have not connected with him on LinkedIn, that's a, one of the ways that we met. I absolutely love the stuff that he posts on LinkedIn. So find him uh, on uh, actually just on LinkedIn, Dave Crenshaw. And, um, and take a look at the show notes, everybody, because there's going to be some great links to other stuff. And if you have not purchased the book yet, The Myth of Multitasking, please make sure that you go to your local bookstore or, or online bookstore and pick that up. So for Dave Crenshaw and for Kirk Lowe, this is Matt Hallen with Top Advisor Marketing. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you click the subscribe now button below. And with that, we'll see you for episode 62 very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information.